And that was another great song from the latest CD from Richard Elliott. The CD is entitled Metro Blue, and we just listened to Inside Out, which is just out. It's full-length release. Of course, the lead-off single to the album is doing extremely well. But uh, in between his touring and getting out on the road with the uh, Jazz Attack tour, we have on the line, and we're pleased and honored to have Richard Elliott here on The Upper Room with Joe Kelly. Hi, Richard. Hi there. Yeah, you know, this is uh, a few days out in the stores, the... uh, the official release this is your 14th solo cd uh tell tell us the emotions going through it for you right now oh you know it um it it never gets uh, routine that's for sure um but i would have to say that this cd has a a significance for me that uh, sort of goes beyond uh the last several releases that i've done uh on a couple of different levels uh you know creatively it's the first uh Time that I've uh, gotten an opportunity to work with Rick Braun in the studio <clears throat> from a production standpoint, and um, so we, we just had a great time making this CD. Um, and then, of course, from a business standpoint, it's the first release uh, on our new record label that Rick and myself and two of our colleagues uh, just started. So you know, there's a lot more pressure on uh, in terms of wanting to see the, the CD you know, do well out there, but the bottom line is you just really never know. It's a creative process. You go in and you you spend your time making the CD. And, and I think the important thing is try to second-guess radio. You, you go in and you do what's in your heart, and you throw it out there, and you hope it does well, and you hope people respond to it. But believe me, it, you know, it's important, and it feels great when people respond positively to it. Whereas before, when you were, you guys were on the, the bigger labels and now with your own artisan label, uh are you calling up the uh, the people who are keeping tabulations? Is it a daily thing to keep track where it's charting, how many sales? It is a daily thing. You know, you want to make sure that uh, um, the, the CD is being marketed adequately and that enough people, and when I say marketing, it's just a matter of, from, in, from my standpoint, you know, you want to make sure it's available for people and uh, know, and that they know that it's out there. And it's, it's an awareness thing and, and uh you know, obviously you want to get out to a bigger audience, too. You want to expose people to your music that maybe aren't familiar with with, uh, with your stuff. But, uh, you know, the first order of business is to make sure that your your core base out there, people that are have purchased your music in the past and, and are interested in it, that they know where that it's out there and they know where to get it. So, I mean, this is the kind of thing that obviously you care about as an artist but uh, when you're on a bigger label, but never before have I really had a hand in that part of the process. So it's a real education. I'm I'm learning a lot. Now you're currently in the midst of the Jazz Attack tour with your great friends Peter White, Jonathan Butler, and uh, of course Rick Braun. You guys, uh, before our, for our audience right out there listening now, any dates stick in your mind right now that they can come see you this, this weekend or upcoming week? Well, this week we're... Uh, we're in California. We're playing up in Northern California uh, in sort of the Napa County area. Uh, and through July, we've got uh, a few dates happening. And uh, the tour is actually starting to slow down a little bit. The month of June was very busy for us. We were out almost the entire month playing in the East Coast and in the Midwest. <laughs> and we just um, and we just had a great time. We have had such a lot of fun with this tour. And, you know, you pointed out that you know we're friends we are friends 
Uh, all four of us have known each other for many years. We get along musically and personally, and I think uh, I think that audiences pick up on that. They can tell if uh, the artists are up there, you know, really enjoying what they're doing, or if they're just going through the motions. And, and we're really having a great time. And so, for anyone that's interested in seeing the show. Uh, they can either go to my website or Rick Braun's website. We all have the dates posted. Um, if they go to my website, it's uh, richardelliot.com. And uh, they can see when we're going to be coming to their neck of the woods. And uh, specifically in our area, you'll be uh, returning to the IMAX Center in Huntington, Long Island, so people look out for that one. Absolutely, and I've played there many times. It's a nice sort of intimate setting and really looking forward to that. Now, you, you originally were born in Scotland, and uh, now, now where do you make home, on the West Coast? Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I was born in Scotland, but I grew up in L.A., mm-hmm. and uh, now I live in the San Diego area. Okay, this beautiful area. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's really nice. We, we really love it here. Now, now uh, one thing which really has impressed me over the years with you is, is your stage presence, and, you know... G. so co-hosts the show myself. We were watching this morning on TV, uh, Chicago and Earth, Wind & Fire performing, and they still had that presence and, and professionalism. W- where did you develop that? And uh, tell us about the Tower of Power days when you were, and what you learned from that. Well, you know, I'd have to say that Tower of Power would be uh, mostly attributable for whatever stage presence I have or performing abilities I have. I learned more about being a performer with them than any other group or artist that I ever worked with and, you know, spent many, many nights on the road uh, playing shows with them from between 1982 and 87. And definitely they were kind of like my, I like to say they were kind of like my, my graduate school of, uh, of performance. You know, I, I learned so much with them. And then you went on to do uh, your first solo releases back in 86 and, and now you're, just about putting one out every year. Um, you know, the single, People Make the World Go Round, is doing extremely well. Independent label, Artisan Music, uh, which is uh, our guest Richard Elliott's label with his partner Rick Braun and also a couple other folks. The single, I got to give you compliments. I, I know you probably heard it before, but it's such a unique way of doing the song and uh, that rhythm and, of course, your sax. H- how did you make it, you know, so special? Well, you know, it's always a dilemma when you get ready to do a song, you know, that's a remake of a song that really, the original version is as powerful as it is. Uh, You know, it's like a mixed blessing. You know, you love the song, you want to do your own interpretation of it. But on the other hand, you know, you hope it, it lives up to, you know, the legacy of the song. And that original version, I mean, when I first heard it on the radio, um, I had never, there was nothing else on the radio that sounded like that song. And so that was an objective we had. You know, what can we do to this song to put my own signature on it and also to create an arrangement that really does sound kind of fresh and different, but at the same time, you know, works, you know, within the format. And we, uh, we spent a lot of time on that. In fact, originally, we tried to do something that was a lot more reminiscent of the original version, you know, a lot more of the sort of original instrumentation. And we kind of came to the conclusion that, look, the original version of the song is great. Why are we trying to redo the original approach? So what we thought, what can we do that's different? One of the things that we did was 
put this sort of pulse underneath it that almost, I guess, kind of a chill type of a pulse. Mm -hmm. That's a popular term these days, but it is kind of, you know, kind of that deep groove, constant groove underneath it. And uh, and then we use some organic sort of original sound, uh, more reminiscent sounding uh, instruments like the pizzicato strings, you know, the plucking strings and things like that on top of it. So what we ended up getting was sort of this this blend of, of retro and, and kind of newer sounds together. And, you know, again, you never know if it's going to work. You just you get in there and you do it and you and you hope for the best. Oh, it's outstanding. I'm sure it goes over well live, too. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of fun with it live. We are doing that song on the Jazz Attack tour. And, you know, the cool thing about that song is, you know, pretty much in our age group, everybody knows that song. So we start playing it and people just oh yeah I, you know i remember this and you know a lot of times uh you know when you're doing shows and you're doing a song that's got kind of a vocal hook to it like that song does you try to get people to sing along and what i had no intention of doing that live but it was interesting whenever we got to that sort of payoff part you know where the you you know you hear the hook you know people make the world go round uh i didn't ask anyone to sing but people just started singing it Wow. And it's just so cool. It's just great to do a song that, that uh, and do a decent version of it that people like, um, of a song that everyone sort of, at least in a certain generation, has a, a real you know uh, soft place in their heart for. So we should give a listen to it right now. This is uh, just an outstanding version uh, from Richard Elliott of the Stylistics, People Make the World Go Round. And we're here on WVOF 88.5 FM in Fairfield, Connecticut. We'll come back and speak once again with Mr. Rich. And that's the lead-off single from the new album just released a few days ago, Richard Elliott's Metro Blue. Of course, the stylistics people make the world go round. And you should go to richardelliott.com. And he's also uh, one of the partners in his own record label. And you want to give our, our listeners the official website for your record label? Sure, it's artisanmusic.com, and that's spelled A-R-T-I-Z like zebra, E-N, music.com. And if you go there, um, you can also download a free track that we recorded uh, while we were doing Metro Blue. It's not on the CD. You don't have to buy the CD to get the track. You just go to the site and uh, register, and you can download a, a, a free song from the project. And I understand Rick's album is uh, getting ready uh, to be released. Uh, how, how's that going? And, and tell us about the artists and music family's uh, future plans. Well, Rick's uh, CD is coming along great. He's doing uh, something a little different uh, than he's done in the past. It's a, uh, a CD of all cover tunes, but uh, it's kind of an eclectic mix of cover tunes and songs that have been important to him over the years and have made a difference in his career in his life and uh he's doing some really unique arrangements with it and it just sounds wonderful and that's going to be out in the fall um other things that we're working on we're definitely uh we just sort of put this label together it is definitely a label for this genre of music and nothing else and so we want to really cultivate the genre and and bring on new artists uh bring in some established artists who are looking for a new home and really um, make this label a kind of a haven for those artists where it's a, a label that's uh, run by people who understand this genre of music, understand the fans, uh, and really cater to the fans. That's the other side of the label is that we really want to 
um, uh, let this label be a service to the fans that are into this music because, as you know, they're, they're diehard fans. I'm so grateful to be part of a, a style of music where, you know, we see people that come to our shows that have been coming for the last 10, 15 years, the same people, and it, it's they're so loyal, and it's great. And unfortunately, a lot of the larger labels out there you know, their big, their bread and butter is pop records. And, oh, by the way, you know, we also do, you know, these smooth jazz records from time to time. And, but they, they they don't take a real priority. And in our label, and other labels, independent labels, like there's some great labels out there, Rendezvous and Narada, and that this is their priority. And um, the people that are into this music are, are our priority, and we really want to kind of cater to them. Well, your solo music has been so instrumental in, in helping the, the genre of smooth jazz. And uh, how, about, how about your own listening uh, habits growing up and, and first becoming attracted to uh, playing the saxophone? What were you really digging, and, and did that drive you to uh, take up the sax? Well, I started to play saxophone when I was 11 years old. And, you know, my musical taste um, came mainly from my older brother and sister you know at 11 years old i was listening really to a lot of the records that they brought home my sister was you know into a lot of different kinds of music at the time and you know when i was 11 that was 1971 you know my my sister was really into the beatles and and into uh santana and uh you know a lot of different really eclectic mix of music so that's the kind of stuff I was listening to. And she was really into the Motown sound, the Temptations and the Four Tops. And so I listened to that. And I really, I think I gravitated mostly towards uh, R&B. And, um, but when I started playing, I wasn't really thinking about what style of music I wanted to play. I just wanted to learn to play the saxophone. And, um, you know, after about a year, I, I started to sort of gravitate towards a style of music. And again, it was sort of more like R&B type stuff. And, um, old sax players like you know King Curtis and people like that, and they were, you know, to me a real influence. And then some of the newer guys at the time that were coming up, which was you know David Sanborn and Tom Scott, and uh, and the Brecker brothers. So I I really got into that stuff. And uh, throughout high school, I would say I I became more of again I think my influences were more in in R and B than than jazz. I, I listened to a lot of jazz also, but. R&B was really what I was into. Now, on this Jazz Attack tour, when you're touring across the country, who controls the music on, on the tour bus? <laughs> well, we have, we have two lounges, one in the front, one in the back, and uh, it's pretty democratic, you know, and everyone you know, likes to listen to what everyone else is into. I, uh, our bass player, David Dyson, uh, got me into listening to Richard Bona, who's uh, from Cameroon, uh, an African artist mm -hmm. who, who's currently playing with Pat Metheny, and actually we just played in uh, Saratoga, New York, at uh, the Jazz Festival up there, and uh, Steps Ahead, you know, with Michael Brecker and Mike Stern, um, they had Richard Bona playing uh, with them, playing bass, and he is an amazing artist. So having people like, you know, like Jonathan Butler on the bus, you know, who have very eclectic tastes, also you learn about a lot of different kinds of music. Now, your family, obviously, I mean, you can go to richardelliot.com and see some great photos of you on vacation skiing and everything. Tell us about tackling uh, a song for your wife on, on this new record, Metro Blue. Oh, 
You know, that's kind of funny because uh, the I get the what I get a lot is questions like, "Well, do you get an idea for a song or a person you want to write a song for, and then and then sit down and write the song?" And <clears throat> I do from time to time. In the case of this song, uh, a lot of times I write music and then I listen to it and I try to figure out where it came from or what it makes me think about when I listen to it. In the case of this song, um, named after my wife, uh, her name's Camilla, uh, I wrote the song with Jeff Lorber and put the melody together. And after listening to it, it, it made me think of her, partly melodically in the way the song feels and also knowing the kind of music that she's into and um i thought okay well i'm going to call it name this song after her and the, but the question in my mind came up well what if she doesn't like the song <laughs> so i thought well what i'll do is i'll play the song for her i won't tell her what it's called and i'll see how she responds to it and if she doesn't like it <clears throat> i'll just i'll just figure out another title for it That's and cool. uh <laughs> kind of kind of a kind of a paranoid way to approach things, but uh, it turned out she did love the song, and I was able to say, well, you know, I, I named the song after you, and, and that, that's how it worked this time around, anyway. Yeah, it's one of, the, one of the great tracks off the record, Metro Blue, and before we get into a couple couple more songs, and uh, I, I'd like to ask you if anything, a few things stick out in your mind, you know, during our lives, we all have these moments where we're, we're so happy and calling up friends and telling them about how about you as a musician throughout your career do you have anything that stands out where you called your wife up from the road or you know you were just blown away that that just made you feel great to be a musician well you know this sounds corny but you know every single night that i get on stage i feel lucky mm -hmm. <clears throat> very much so i never take it for granted uh, the, the fact that i get a chance to get up on stage and play my music and do something I love and, you know, let people respond to it. And, uh, you know, I, for me, it's uh, it, it's kind of an every night thing, you know. Uh, I just, you know, I just, uh, I, I love what I do and I, I feel very grateful that I get to do it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would love to be in, in your place and you, and you seem real happy, so that's cool. And, um we should talk about uh, another guest on this record. I mean, you're working with some of the best in the music amongst yourself. Uh, Brian Culbertson, we're going to get into uh, Maxis. And uh, tell us about working with Brian and uh, the feel to this song, which, which you know, you could see in on dance floor at some nightclubs with this one. Yeah, well, you know, um, that song, first of all, it was great working with Brian. And uh, that song was the first song that we wrote for Metro Blue. And... It sort of encapsulated the idea I had for the record in the first place, which was I wanted something that sounded kind of urban, but uh, not urban like New York or Detroit this time. I wanted it to sound urban like, almost like a Euro-urban type thing, like mm -hmm. Milan or Paris or someplace other than the United States, but a place that has been influenced heavily by American music, but has its own flavor to it. And... Uh, sort of the obvious first start was let's do almost kind of a Euro urban sort of dance track and we ended up with Maxis and Maxis is actually the name of a nightclub in uh, in Germany okay. and uh, yeah we had a great time that that we wrote that song uh, that was the first day that we worked on the CD we, we sat down Brian and Rick and myself wrote, uh, sat down and wrote that song 
So were you able to attend the NAM Festival earlier this year? No, I, you know, I haven't had a chance to make uh, NAM for several years, and I, I miss it because I used to go there and, and I used to play there almost right, every year. Right, yeah. Well, let's get into uh, a couple tracks right here. We'll get into Maxi's and also the title track, Metro Blue, which is uh, an outstanding song and definitely a different mood to it. And maybe maybe quickly, if you can, tell us about Metro Blue and how you wrapped up the album with this one. Well, the title track, obviously, is an important piece of making a record. And um, that was the last song that we wrote on the CD was... Uh, was Metro Blue, and we were going to do something, again, that was sort of going to be more funky and kind of, you know, kind of stronger groove to it, and we started working on something like that. <clears throat> At the last minute, I thought, and I, I mentioned to Rick, I said, you know, what if we go completely the opposite direction and try and encapsulate the title and this mood that I was trying to create, this sort of Euro-urban thing, uh, in something that's very moody. And... Uh, particularly to really set the stage was create some kind of sound collage at the beginning of the song that sort of depicts this this euro urban setting this you know someone in a in a city uh, in another country uh, maybe a little bit lonely maybe it's a little bit rainy out and uh, and kind of create that that vibe initially at the beginning of the song so we did the soundscape with uh, you know, with some different sound effects and things like that. Yeah, it's a great song, and uh, we'll listen to two right now. This is from Richard Elliott's Metro Blue. We'll listen to Maxi's, segging right into Metro Blue, and go out to see the Jazz Attack Tour. Richard Elliott, Rick Braun, Jonathan Butler, and Peter White. You can go to richardelliott.com and also support his independent record label at artisanmusic.com which is uh, A-R-T-I-Z-E-N music.com. And uh, we hope to have you on maybe around the time you swing eastward and just continued uh, success. And we, and we definitely support independent uh, musicians on the on our show. So, you know, much respect to you for that. Thank you very much. Okay, this is music from Mr. Richard Elliott from Metro Blue. 